What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news with a touch of what, Terrence? Good old humor. Good old humor, man. Yeah. How was the weekend, man? Christmas weekend. Was it yeah. jolly? Uh, Almost too jolly. Too jolly. Yeah. Again, I'm here complaining about Monday, Christmas on Mondays. Uh, right? yeah, yeah, why, yeah. man? Why? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be a Grinch or what, lah, but yeah. um, the I guess maybe beyond a certain age, like three days straight of merrymaking is a bit of a strain on the body. Yeah. But how would it be different if it was a Wednesday Christmas? There'll still be Christmas Eve. There'll still be Boxing Day. It's a little break in, like, there's a break of pace, lah, right? You know, like, a weekend, then, oh, you know, like maybe have one or two gatherings max yeah. over the whole weekend, right? Then, yeah. then you gear up for like Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day usually is chill. Then next day, back to work again, you know? And then you got a weekend to recover. La. Weekend, yeah, weekends in a couple of days recover again. This one's like three days straight of like partying and then boom, back back at work again, which we are, you know, literally the day after. Mm. Today's Boxing Day and everything. Mm. Uh, yeah, I feel like I just went to zook out or something like you know. You got party <laughs> privilege, yeah. <laughs> you say you got parties all three days. That's yeah, party yeah. privilege, man. No, not not even party. It's yeah. just like eating, like or hosting host- or visiting. I mean, not even hosting. I think even visiting, eating yeah. big meals and talking to people, all that. Uh, I don't know about you, lah. For me, it can be quite tiring. But you like to talk, so maybe it's your thing, lah. Right. I mean, I also like to talk to a certain extent. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need my quiet time, my alone time after a while, man. Oh, really? And Christmas, it, uh, since like I, I met my wife and all, it's always more hectic than my my Christmases that I, I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like just a holiday. Yeah. Whereas now, there are festivities and it's actually fun. Yeah. But yeah, it's tiring, man. Uh, and last week, I think I was just thinking you were a whiner about uh, saying correct. that Christmas is on Monday. Yep, yep, yep. But then now I see your point. Now you la. see my point, right? Yeah. I see your point. I see your point. Because I, you know, last, really, admittedly, yeah. last week, I also wasn't entirely sure why I felt that way yeah. about it. And then as like it progressed, and I think my wife also turned to me like, oh, this is so tiring. You know, then I was like, because yeah. Because it's the, the yeah, Monday. Three days in the street. By, by like Sunday, you're like, oh God, I need a break really. You know? I mean, it's less about the three-day thing because that would happen mm. regardless, right? There's, I, I think like, okay, at least for me, like, it stood out more because yeah, you don't have a weekend prior where maybe you can do your last-minute gift shopping and all. Then you celebrate Christmas. Then you don't have a weekend to recover. It's but like, wait, why would it happen regardless? Because there will thing? always be a Christmas day. Yeah. There will always be a Christmas Eve. There will always be a Boxing Day. Right? Boxing Day is not a holiday, man. You work on Boxing Day. What are you talking about? <laughs> See, you're so exhausted from your weekend. Oh, yeah. It hasn't occurred to you. Boxing Day is not a holiday, man. But there might still be dinners. Okay, so there'll be two uh, days. Yes, like, yes. Two days. Two days. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no three days straight thing. Yeah, oh, no. Yeah. But even then, Christmas Eve is not a holiday. So anything it's that happened would be yeah. at night. Yeah, Whereas yeah, this yeah. Christmas Eve, Sunday, it was like the the, the whole day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct, correct. Then the day before also was the whole day. Yeah, yeah. And then Christmas. And then, yeah, like, it's just... Yeah. yeah la. So, I'm... this, But this only happens once every few years. La. Every few years, yeah, yeah. All right. Next year, I don't know when it'll be falling, yeah. what day it'll be falling on. But, but I think the other side of it as well, not just the, you know, logistically three days of merrymaking street. I think the other side of it is that there's a... I don't know, maybe over the years, too many movies, too many romantic comedies, all that. There's this, uh, there's something about coming home for Christmas. Like, literally, there's a song about it. I'll be home for Christmas, you know, all that. Like. Mm. So it needs to be, the 24th, the Christmas Eve needs to feel like a little bit of struggle to finish all your work or to, you know, get on the train and everything, to get home for dinner or whatever mm. like it is, you know, to your loved ones or whatever for Christmas. Like. Without that, that struggle, that, that, that tension of like finishing your work or, or doing, you know, traveling at a long distance to get home for Christmas or doesn't feel as shook. Uh. And that's why I watch too many movies. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I'll admit, it's, this is entirely like in my own head or so. Uh. There wasn't that struggle, you know, to, 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 you know, from Christmas Eve to Christmas, uh, like to get home on Christmas Eve and finish your work and drop everything and all. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Sunday was just so relaxed already and you already had been, you know, merrymaking the night before. So yeah, it you was did, just, you it didn't have to do any last minute prep or like gift shopping or stuff, some stuff. No, no, are. you have to do that. Yeah, but because it's the weekend already, and usually weekends are already like you know you already mm. pack them with with activities already, like, right? Mm. So you're already like oh quite spent by Sunday already, like. mm. So that's what I'm saying, like yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, then this coming weekend is a New Year's weekend, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Year's weekend. But any, New Year's, any thoughts on that or not? 
No, New Year's, I think New Year's like... Not, no, I but think. in fact, New Year's on a Monday, mm. that means Tuesday, technically you're back to work, right? Yeah. But it's, that's actually for most most days of the week also, it's like that, right? But, I mean, if it was a Friday, New Year's... Of course, yeah, Friday would be You best. know, then Thursday night, you can go hard and all yeah, Friday, yeah, yeah. then Saturday, Sunday, recover. Correct, correct, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it's still a festive mood. Yeah, party privilege, la. that's what yeah, we mean. Terrence, you're, you are a Grinch, lah. <laughs> You are a great. You start talking to you is just draining, draining yeah, yeah, me of draining. my festive <laughs> mood, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure like it's reinforced by all the the quiet time you spend in church and everything as well la, during Christmas. Yeah, right? on midnight, uh, midnight on Christmas Eve, I was there with time to think. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so like that, la. Really hope you watch like Midnight Mass one. Day. I haven't, yeah, I haven't, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Highly advise and anyone you know who attends Midnight Mass to watch Midnight Mass. Yeah, at some point. It's yeah, I probably will like at some point, like some at some point. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. At some point, but yeah, this is the this is the new mid middle of Christmas and New Year's. Wouldn't mm. say funk lah. It's yeah. like the mood lah, right? Yeah, things are slow. Slow weather is still great. People are not. People are not in office. Yeah, yeah. people are not in office. Uh, mm. Actually. Traffic is usually is pretty good around this time. Mm. A lot of people traveling, you know, out and about. Does it feel emptier this year? It does. It does, right? It does. Yes. Yeah. I, I think everyone's what well, I hear is everyone's in Japan. Apparently even Tarman's in Japan. Oh, is it? Holiday, holiday everyone so. except us, like, is it? Except us, like, yeah. Except yeah. us. So for anyone listening in Japan, yeah. you know, uh hope you had a good Christmas. Yeah. 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 Japan eat KFC for Christmas. Yeah. Why? That's oh, the tradition. True. That's yeah. your tradition. It's a that's your Japanese tradition. tradition. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. But cool. All right. Still got some topics to talk about. Yeah. But Which, we've... I mean, have to do with tradition and culture as well. Uh. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but before we jump into that, Terrence, mm. what are, what's our normal plug? Uh, if you're listening to us, uh, but you haven't subscribed or followed us on whatever platform, please do so because that really helps us get discovered by your friends as well, you know? So all of you can listen to this together. Mm. Yeah. And and also to hit the notification bell so that every time we have a new episode, you can you'll be alerted and you know when we are when we have something new. And if you want to work out uh, work with us or reach out, you can uh contact us at contact at ministryoffunny.com. So I mean over the past few days I've been getting some interesting messages about people who are in similar situations as us in one aspect. Mm. Uh so so yeah, so thanks for that. We'll uh we will respond, we'll respond. Um, similar situation in terms like, of like like uh, marrying a Catholic person. Oh, okay, okay, that kind of thing. I see. Yeah, I see. yeah. Which which I mean is interesting, like You yeah, know, yeah. like the more we share, the more we meet people who are similar in similar boats, la. Oh, I thought you were talking about people who can't stand Christmas on Mondays. So, I'm what? sure there are people <laughs> listening to it and also uh, resonating with that, yeah, 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 Resonating yeah. with that, I'm sure. But yes, the yeah. first topic. First I mean, topic. like um, there wasn't anything ground shattering. Right. Uh, but this first topic was was a interesting um, announcement that came about on December twenty first mm. by the Urban Devel- Redevelopment Authority of Singapore URA. Mm. So basically, the People's Park Complex uh, is being studied for conservation. Mm. Uh, and then it's a bit polarizing because on one hand you get the heritage lovers happy that this building, which is quite iconic, it was mm. built in the nineteen seventies, uh, is going to be preserved. But for the tenants or for the the owners of the the shops and all, they are worried that it might it might affect the the potential sale, yeah, the collective yeah, sale. Correct, correct. So interesting. I mean, like, do you have any attachment to the People's Park complex? Uh, not specifically the place, mm. but uh, I think the idea of uh, you know studying a lot of these older buildings in Singapore mm. is is a step in the right direction. Even no, I'm not saying that everything needs to be gazetted and needs to be preserved. But there being, you know, extensive discussions before just tearing down something because it's old. Mm. I think that's important, right? Mm-hmm. Also, uh, you're saying there's there's some benefit to studying it for conservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I to think potentially so. conserve it. Yeah, because I, I think uh, some might argue that People's Park Complex it really looks so old. Mm. And yeah, it does look very old. But you must remember that when it was built, it probably was seen as the most modern, uh, you know, uh, thing in the Singapore skyline at that point, right? Mm, mm, mm. And and it's a reflection of the times that people lived in, right? Yeah. The reflection of, uh, I think, from what I understand, the architectural term is brutalist structures. Mm. When the idea was about how many people, you know, trying to... to uh, 
pack people into like uh, very systematic blocks, la, right? Mm-hmm. You know, to 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 house a uh, masses of people, la, right? Yeah. So this architecture kind of reflected that uh, point of view, la, right? Which I think uh, originated from, if I'm not wrong, communist countries or so, la, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it's an important part of our history, oh, and um, the fact that people have lived there have have you know, built businesses there. It's part of the skyline when you look at the Chinatown area. Mm. I think that's worth worth examining whether it's worth preserving the place. Mm. Not saying that you must because if the place, you know, if if the infrastructure is breaking down all that, then it might be a danger to people, right? Mm. But it's worth discussing. But do you go there often? Uh, No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all? (laughs) Not at all. I just like looking at it from outside. Yeah, Uh. Yeah, I'm Czech critic viewer. Because, I mean, like the building, whenever I go past, I, okay, first of all, I can't tell whether it's green or brown. Mm-mm. Is it green or brown? Uh, green for the most part, yeah. It's green. green so, yeah. I mean, it's not the the prettiest bu- building by like common standards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I only remember when I was young, my mom would mention People's Park Complex and you go there, but it's just like very hectic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but now when you go past, yeah, it is quite an iconic building and I always like wonder like what the hell is in that is it just shops or is it residencies you know mm. and it is a strata development right mm. so there's residential there's offices and there's retail yeah Um. but I also found out while researching for this episode a few other interesting things about it like what mm. you said it was built in uh, uh the 70s 1973 and it was apparently the first of its kind not only in Singapore but in Southeast Asia Mm. Uh, which was a multi-use development with shops, home offices, and a car park within a single structure. Mm-mm-mm. And it was actually designed by this pretty like uh, impressive architecture firm that used to be known as Design Partnership mm. and is now DP Architects. Yeah. And it was the same firm that built Golden Mile Complex. Mm. Um, and I mean, it was, it was cool that, because you know, especially now in Singapore, you see a lot of buildings designed by architects from like around the, the world. Like yeah. there's... Something, something Hadid or something, right? You mean the MBS? The MBS designer. or like the other one, the Dilidan or something. Oh, okay, it's by yeah. one one famous, you always get these famous architects who come to Singapore. Yeah, yeah. And design. So this one was a Singapore architecture firm. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're all brutalist thing. And it was quite quite cool. Uh, like they they built this. It was one Singapore's largest shopping complex. Mm, mm. Uh, it was a it featured the country's first atrium in a shopping center. Uh, so quite cool. Uh. Then the more I read it, the more I realized it should actually feels like it should be conserved. Uh. Yeah. Um, but also, like, um, did you did you understand what they meant by being marked for conservancy? Conservation, uh, I mean. Generally, yeah, und- understood. But uh, you you did some research about I mean, what specific uh, thing it might entail, is it? Uh, I mean, in the sense that when I thought it was being proposed for conservation, I was like, okay, that means it would remain like this, lah. You mm. know, like a like a heritage building, just keeping its original position. Uh, because Golden Mile, I also always thought when it got sold, I thought it's going to be demolished. Yeah. But then apparently, what happens is that the URA can, when it designates a building for con- conservation, it can still be sold. Yeah. But for anyone who buys it and wants to renovate it, you have more parameters that you have to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can't change certain, I don't know, the outdoor facade or some shit like that. You can, mm-hmm. yeah. Then I thought, hey, actually that's a interesting, I never knew that thing existed. Mm-hmm. Where you can conserve a building but also allow people to renovate it. Mm-hmm. I think you, the, the minimum you can do is conserve the, like, the facade, the facade of the uh. outside, lah, right? Because mm. I've seen that done for other buildings in Singapore. I believe there's one uh, in the Geylang Baru area. Mm. It was an, a water a water distillery or something like that. Oh, is it? But the external facade is still the old factory and everything. But then behind it, it's like mixed-use condo and, and retail already. Uh. I guess like National Gallery would consider, would be that? Is the old parliament house, right? I suppose so. But they took over the whole place, right? Right, And and redid the whole thing. But technically, the facade is still there, lah, right? Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. Right, so so I don't know whether that, that falls under it, mm. but if it's that, that's the case, then that's quite cool, lah, because this building mm. is quite iconic with, you know, the four uh, Chinese, the Chinese uh, symbols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, is, what does it mean? I can't remember it, actually. Uh. I've got to take a closer look. Yeah, I've got to brush up my Chinese privilege. And there? Like, okay, in front of you, what does it read? Oh, uh... Okay, come on, Terence. Chinese. How many years you study Chinese already? Okay, I... for those of you who are listening, he's looking at my iPad. Yeah. And struggling to read the Chinese characters. Something pearl, something, something. 
I don't well know, maybe done. it's the Chinese name. <laughs> maybe it's the Chinese name of the place. I don't actually know. Yeah. It might be the, I think it's the name of the place. If I'm not it's wrong. the name of the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so what do you make of people who are saying that, okay, it's in a prime location, mm. it's above the MRT or very close to that, mm. and land in Singapore is cast. Mm. Why, why are we like holding on so much to these sort of buildings? Because these can be, they can become icons as well, right, mm. of your skyline that become uh, landmarks for tourists or what to come and visit, right? Mm. Uh, if you want to just build everything from scratch and build it new, uh, you know, there there are a lot of places who can do it better than us, uh, like in the Middle East, in Dubai or, or Qatar and all these places. Uh. Mm. Uh, but being able to, you know, sh- preserve a bit of history and then uh, sort of repackage it a bit and for for visitors and outside world to see, I think kind of um, builds a longer Singapore story than it's just about the, the tallest, most glittering buildings around. I mean, like, you know, you can spend all that money and build a Ferris wheel in Singapore. And then and then for a few years, that one will be the tallest and the nicest one in the world. Then yeah, just a few years later, someone erects an even taller Ferris wheel and then yours mm-hmm. just becomes like, huh, what's the point of this? It's like, I don't know if it's even number three in the world right now, you know? For a moment there, you're like, wow, wouldn't it be interesting if we actually built a Ferris wheel? Then I was like, oh shit, yeah, we did. We did, yeah. <laughs> we did. People forget, yeah. And, and for a while, it was like the tallest in the world, right? I mm. believe. And yeah, then after that, someone built something bigger and taller. But then, what if that was just not the best design to build? You look at MBS. It's mm. pretty damn iconic. Yeah. Right? And I mean, now it has become like a a, a key pillar of Singapore's skyline. Correct, correct. So correct. maybe it's just the, the new buildings, there's not enough thought being put into it. No, but MBS was built on reclaimed land, bro. Like nothing, there was nothing there. Remember? Oh, it don't bro me. Eh? Bro. Yeah. <laughs> bro. Yeah, there was bro. nothing there. There was nothing there. So uh. then you built something out of out from nothing, yes, okay, then go, you know, swing for the, what was the term? swing for the fences, like, right? Mm. Just build something like really stuck and something that really stands out against the skyline. But I think as you, you're talking about, as Singapore gets more and more built up, as it, as even more so than before, like, right? Mm. When you start thinking of how to, rather than just keep destroying stuff and erecting new buildings, is how to build on top of that, like, right? Mm. You know, and then adapt and then, and, and really force, uh, developers or that to really work within the confines of the, the space. Mm, yeah, mm. yeah. Rather than continually, you know, just destroying old old buildings. I mean, really look at the National Library back then. Like, it's so iconic. Yeah. Such that even like, uh, you know, foreign animators needed, wanted to draw. They wanted, they created content based on that as well, like, you know. Mm. Uh, but it made way for, I don't even know what's there right now. Yeah. Know? I don't even know what's in that space. It's just forgotten. So another landmark that could have been, you know, repurposed for something else. Just gone. And now the National Library is the one at Bras Basah, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tall. There's uh, a lot of um, economies of scale. But is it iconic? Mm, it looks I like any know. other, I mean, the, the facade of the building, everything looks like any other like industrial building mm. like, that you drive along PIE, you can see it, right? Mm, so yeah. nothing special, you know? Yeah. So, but then what about like the, because ultimately there are people there who, uh, hoping for a sale, right? Mm-hmm. And if it impacts them, because uh, like for Golden Mile, right? I mean, People's Park's uh, People's Park Complex actually was trying for a collective sale before. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was kicked off when they managed to sell their car park for like forty million mm-hmm. uh, years ago. Then in twenty eighteen, they tried to get a collective sale, uh, but they couldn't get the eighty percent. Mm. Uh, and they were valuing it at one point three billion, I think. Now they are going for the same collective sale, but. Looking at Golden Mile as an example, right? I think they were trying to sell it for eight hundred million. They sold it for seven hundred million. Yeah. Because the the concern for I guess the people who want to buy over is that if you have all these restrictions that you need to adhere to for conservation, mm. then is it as enticing as being able to demolish it and build something new, yeah. yeah. But but I think for Golden Mile at least there were a lot of incentives. Mm. Uh, and I think that's that feels like uh I know it's very easy to shit on like the you know Singapore always wanting the the biggest and best and fastest and most efficient, but it feels like this is a is a is a nice middle ground la, mm. where they are trying to preserve the this stuff like Golden Mile. I think one thing they they need to maintain is a terrace. Yeah, you know the terrace houses. And if you look at videos of people living there, the houses are damn interesting, man. Mm. Uh, so so it's quite cool that there's this middle ground and yeah, that they incentivize developers to still buy it and then just 
renovate it. Mm, yeah. uh, because if it's just demolished, I also agree that we, we're always asking ourselves, what does it mean to be Singaporean? Mm. What is the Singapore skyline? And I mean, I think enough of the skyscraper skyline. La. We already have that, right? It looks mm. pretty uh, uh, legit. It looks pretty cool. But there's so many interesting buildings in Singapore that feels like they should be preserved. Mm. Maybe, yeah. maybe they've come to a realization that we can't outspend Dubai or Qatar and all these places, right? Mm. We can't out Dubai, Dubai, right? They're going to like create the island. They're going to like build this ridiculous, what, the line, right? There was the, no, line. the line, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They're going to yeah. build all these things, architectural marvels from the desert, right? They we can build Long Island. Yeah, we can. We need to reclaim the land first, then we can, yeah, then yeah. We can build something on it, you see? Yeah. So I think in some sense, maybe it's coming to understanding that yeah, we, we really are limited in that in that way, in that space and the constraints on uh, resources, all that. So rather than like try to compete on that level, uh, you know, architectural marvels that that you know the newest thing and the tallest thing or the biggest thing, we compete. Other things are like heritage and and the the Singapore brand and everything that you can't you can't recreate anywhere else. So you're saying as opposed to like taking a skills future course and upgrading yourself, you are we should hold on to our laurels. No, hold hold on. You can, but then you develop parts of it, lah. You know, focus uh, on key parts that can be grown and developed, uh, and you develop those further, la, Right? Yeah, la, Other yeah, than la. switching industries uh, entirely, la. Because, like, right now, you know, uh, if you go to any neighborhood with uh landed property, mm. of course, mm. on one hand, you sometimes you walk past, you're like, what the hell do these people do to live in houses that are that big? Mm. The Every once in a while, you will come across this new development for a landed. You know where people buy over, they demolish it and build it yeah. up, and it's almost always a very rectangular, uh, multi-story, maximizing the the land, uh, to really get every floor to be as like, yeah, like, as much you can squeeze into the floor. Yeah. Which you look at it, you're like, if everything new looks like that, then it's just like, a very cookie cutter model. Mm-hmm. Whereas the older landed properties. You look, there's some very interesting architecture, right? Yeah. And the last thing we want already, like for HDBs, for BTOs and all, it needs to be cookie cutter to a certain extent, right? Yeah, yeah. So we already have a lot of that. So buildings like this, which is still accessible to anyone, mm. yeah, it feels like it should be preserved. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, so it's, I, I think it's a, uh, and I think it's a bit early to say that the price will be, you know, that, that the price will de- definitely be lower, like, right, for mm. all this for the, the collective sale and everything. Uh, and yeah, like, I guess they have to put in some incentives to make sure that the owners uh, also, you know, don't feel so aggrieved by the whole situation. Uh. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it was interesting reading out about the architects, man. Because it was mm. like a bunch of five Singaporeans yeah. who formed design partnership who were all pioneers. Uh, mm. And they have like, uh, now I think it's one of the largest architectural practices in the world. Wow. Uh, and they've built, yeah, the the People's Park Complex, Golden Mile Complex and a bunch of other things. Mm, mm, so imagine building something and having it be there and mm, conserved, right? Yeah. Wow, that's, that's fucking dope, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is dope. And yeah, yeah Singapore, there's actually a lot of cool buildings. Mm. Um, and I know there's that whole conversation around black and white uh, buildings. Mm. Uh, that's, a, that's a whole different thing. But for stuff like this that it's accessible to people or at least parts of it because it's a mall, yeah, like, I really hope it, it stays conserved. Mm. Yeah, because don't forget this heritage trails and all that. That can mm. be part of your tourist offering in the future mm-hmm. as well, like, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember going on all those like uh, Juchet walking tours and stuff like that. They were really interesting, uh, you know, where there were even private homeowners mm. who opened up their home for part, for the public on, on these walking tours to just walk through and just look inside what a home in Juchet looks like. Uh. Oh, is it? Yeah. So th- there was artwork placed inside, obviously, and then, but they opened up, uh, I mean, the living room or what, and allowed pe- uh, these people to just walk through. Uh. Mm. And it's a thing, uh. you know, there's that's stuff that people pay for the tourists. You know, some people are interested in heritage and architecture. Mm. They'll come in and they'll pay for these kind of things to Seoul, uh, you know. It's like, you know, on my recent trip to Seoul, I mentioned that I got yeah. my face shaved by the oldest barbershop in Seoul. Mm. Yeah, yeah, correct. It was a bit troublesome to get to and all, and the guy took quite a while to shave my face and I think yeah. he basically scraped off my face because yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. his blade was very sharp. Mm. Uh, but it was still damn cool. Like, yeah. it's been around for almost a hundred years. Mm. And, yeah, it's very quaint and, like, they redid it. I mean, now there's aircon and stuff and all. But 
it was nice lah. And I think um, hopefully Singapore also we do more of that because yeah. there is actually quite a bit of like these old ass buildings in in Singapore lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, a lot of interesting spaces. Yeah, yeah. it's just sad when sometimes the coffee shops. Mm. I don't know if you know any coffee shops uh, that you know in a few years time is going to be gone already lah. Not even coffee shops lah. Like some bars and restaurants and all that. Just uh, going to be gone. Eh? You know they'll be gone because they don't have the you know, the footfall or what to justify the rentals and all. Mm. So a lot of times now I, I when I go and experience one of these places or experience a new restaurant and all, first question that pops in my mind is will this place be around uh, in a year? La, you know? Uh, just looking at the crowd and everything. You mean because, like when you walk into Flash Coffee and all, you just wonder like will this place be around in a year? No, I, no I'm talking about what I, like those sit-down restaurant kind of experiences, uh, you know, like, oh, I had a very good time, good meal, everything. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you just realize, like, there's a high chance that this place won't be around in a year's time. And what you're experiencing is a very limited experience, uh, which mm. is what you're paying for, uh, right? This mm. is just a, you know, right time, right place. You living in this moment and celebrating this occasion with your significant other, mm. coming to this restaurant when it's not in the red yet and still around. So, yeah, just appreciate each of these experiences, like, like, uh, just once in your lifetime, though. But then, do you like hug the waiter on the way out and oh, say, no, like, no, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all no, the I best? I don't, I don't, I don't. In your yeah. future endeavors, because you know? they'll come and go. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll come, they'll go. There'll be new ones coming to take over. Uh, None of these. We have very few like F and B establishments that, that are iconic. Uh, that yeah, iconic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. But yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, since we're talking on the topic of trying to, you know, uh conserve a building that has been built. There's another group of people in Singapore mm. who are trying to prevent the building from being built. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want the heritage involved with this That's building. True. Right. Yeah. Also because it might affect their sale. Yes, yes. A, a sale. And this is like in another part of Singapore, mm. um, it is uh, near Sembawang where residents are fearing that plans of a new columbarium complex mm. may affect their property prices in future or on-block deals of their condo condominium apartments. Mm, mm. So, I think this was uh, proposed um, recently yeah. uh, that there is this one T-junction. I think, yeah, mm. it was announced on 18 December yeah. uh, that there are plans to build this columbarium complex mm. along Sambawang Road. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, the residents nearby are all just saying that, you know, you, you get a, you get a, a bunch of um, anecdotal stories covered in this this article. Mm. Um, so so they said they bought a property he, uh, there as they appreciated the unblocked views, serenity, and lush greenery of the estate <laughs> while being close to urban areas. Yeah. But basically, a few of them voiced out to this uh, uh, in this today article saying that yeah, like if they've tried to sell before or there was a collective sale that was tried for one of the uh, condos there, Hong Hing mentions, mm. but it could, it, it didn't come through like, because there was no buyer. Yeah. So if there's, there's this columbarium here, there's even a less chance of a collective sale. Like. Mm. Mm. And then of course, Feng Shui, because yeah. there's a cross junction mm. um, and then it doesn't bode well for motorists passing by. Like. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, is there like, okay, so columbariums, it's basically where, you know, there's uh cremations that are happening have mm. happened. And I don't think it's it's um tied to any given religion. Yeah. Right? Because I've been to uh even my dad was uh, cremated at Mandai, mm. I think. Mm. Yeah, Mandai. So it's it's just a place where people get uh, cremated. Mm. Yeah. Right. But like the feng shui thing, is it a uh, are you familiar? I mean the, that's the thing, uh, the feng shui thing, like, there's no right answer to yeah. that, uh, right? Yeah. So I think what they're saying here is that because the columbarium is, seems to be, is planned to be situated at a cross junction. So by, I think according to this thing, they're saying that the feng shui, the columbarium shouldn't be so out in the open. Uh, it's like projecting its bad luck onto anyone who passes that junction, mm. uh, right? Mm. Almost as a warning. Um, But that's the thing, uh, I mean, the feng shui, I've heard a lot of different sorts of things about, you know, putting a frog here or a bull there, a statue of a bull there in a direction mm. that you can do to counter all these things, like, you know. Mm. So, I'm not saying that, I, what I'm saying is that there's no exact uh, one, I don't think there's just one answer that, oh, just because it's a cross-junction, it's not a good place, that kind of thing. Like. Mm. There's things you can do to counteract it. Like. Mm. 
so so that's the double edge sort of what they're saying like, about feng shui. Like, oh, you got this problem. Then do just do something else to counter it. Like. Mm. But I think the bigger thing that someone mentioned in there was uh, quite interesting. Like, it sounded like this person, he's resigned to the fact that there's going to be a column barrier built there. But he's hoping that the the front gate of Columbarium is along the Mandai roadside rather than the Sambawang roadside. Because mm. uh, that ultimately affects the what the address of the crematorium, uh, the oh. yeah, Columbarium is called. Whether it's like another Mandai Columbarium or it's a Sambawang Columbarium. Because if it's along Sambawang, then it really, it will affect the perception of the property, right? You know, mm. my I live in Sambawang and people are like, oh, wow, Sambawang Columbarium there. Like, oh, okay. okay, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> As opposed to Mandai, because there's already a Mandai crematorium. Yeah. So let's say, you know, hypothetically, this one's Mandai crematorium too, right? Mm. Then people won't be so... Like Terminal 1, yeah, Mandai Columbarium, Terminal 2. They don't, they're not so like, oh, you live at Columbarium. They don't immediately think of that. La. But the other part I thought was like, but Mandai, when I say Mandai, what do you think of? Is that, is that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Same for me also. The first thing I think of is the zoo. Then second, I think of the columbarium and all that. La. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's not the bad thing, right? I thought that that, that your name is, the name of your, uh, your address is the same as like, similar to the columbarium's address. La. Yeah. So, so I mean, this way, like, I, when reading this article, I couldn't help but feel like, I had this, it's the whole not in my backyard thing. La. Yeah. NIMBY, right? Yeah. Because literally certain quotes I'll read um, like, uh, you know, when we bought the property back then, so this is from someone who lives in a landed property with his wife and daughter. Mm. When we bought the property back then, we decided on it because the area here is very breezy and peaceful. But now, the government suddenly wants to build another columbarium. It's not fair to residents here. Mm. And that is hard to accept. Yeah. Because, okay, let's say even at where I stay now, right? Yeah. Um, there was this beautiful, beautiful open plot of land that mm. was from my kitchen window which yeah. was just amazing, la. you know, like, uh, it was so green, so big, but you almost knew that, okay, at some point, something's going to be built. Yeah. And I find out there's going to be uh, a new condominium complex, seven blocks of 18 stories. Wow. So my whole view right yeah. now is going to be gone. La. Yeah. But at the same time, of course, it's not ideal, but I think anywhere in Singapore you move in, you should be aware that something might come up. La, you yeah. Know? yeah. So that's one thing, when I read this, I'm like, guys, just... Uh, you can't you can't have your cake and eat it too, la. You you want this place where you got lush greenery, breeze, uh, accessible to town, but yet far enough away to to be peaceful. Then, in fact, that's where you would build a columbarium. Right? Columbarium is very peaceful right, if you think about it. Right? Yeah, and there's no screaming children. It's not like a school <laughs> yeah. where they sing Madrula Singapura every morning at seven a.m. Yeah, you, know? you won't get loud music at two a.m. Yeah, or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, and and that's another aspect of it, la, Right. Like in some way. Uh, I don't know. Okay, so I know people have different tolerances to like the paranormal or alleged paranormal, mm. but it almost feels like Singapore, we are aging like crazy. I think the estimate is that by 2040, the mm. annual number of deaths will double from 20,000 to 40,000. Yeah. So yeah. it almost feels like, okay, and as you get older also, you kind of realize when you start losing your loved ones and all that, everybody's going to die, mm. right? It's mm. part of life. Yeah. It is what makes life special what makes life special. So in some way, living next to a columbarium, I don't know, there's something, I wouldn't say poetic or anything, but it's like, okay, that, that's life, you know? Mm -hmm. Because uh, in, a, in a linked article, there was this uh, other thing uh, that came up, an ash scattering garden. Mm. Have you heard about it? Yeah. Like there's this thing, uh, there's this ash scattering garden in Chuachukang. So basically, um, yeah, it's this place where you just go and scatter your ashes mm. and then you have watering cans to water the ashes so that it sinks into the soil and then there are inbuilt sprinklers. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, like, and it was oversubscribed, you know, as mm. they say, BTOs. This, this garden also was oversubscribed. Yeah. They received like 2,000, uh, almost 2,000 applications for 900 slots. Mm. Mm. Um, so it feels like, okay, maybe it's about time death becomes part of our our infrastructure, you know. Mm, mm. Um, and, yeah, and I think right now, yeah. But what? don't you think it's kind of hypocritical? Why? Uh? Of you? Why? Because you are also one of the creators of a, a horror comedy series <laughs> where we made fun of, I mean, one of the things was we were making, one of the ghosts was like, uh, she was left wondering because they built I think they built BTOs over a columbarium, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. a burial site. A burial, a burial site, site, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
We are making content literally saying that a ghost will haunt uh, BTO because... <laughs> but it's a do- comedy, <laughs> la, dude. It's a comedy. Hypocrites, yeah. We are poking fun at that. <laughs> nimby, nimby. But then I go make fun of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I still don't say that I disagree with that. Yeah. yeah. Right, like, uh, in some sense, like, these burial grounds... I mean, Singapore is also land scarce, la, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's That's why I think, like, burial... I don't know whether there's even... Uh, less incentives to bury now because mm-hmm. I mean for for Hindus I'm born Hindu right everyone's yeah. cremated la. yeah uh, like in your your family generally like no no it's all cremation yeah, all no cremation more, no more right? burials for mostly la. yeah yeah so so I think that is also something that at some point we need to understand like we need to be we need to live around death yeah right yeah the the I think the the people who will also you know benefit a lot from the column bearing being built near residential areas. All these like sneaky sushi uh, uh, ghost hunters. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They love they'll love to go and create content around these areas. But is that columbarium it's almost like too organized. Like, I don't think ghost hunters go to columbariums. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. They're probably kept out also for some Yeah. It's, some it's like yeah, if you're a nature lover or a documentarian or a wildlife photographer, you won't go to a zoo. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Not to say columbariums are like zoos, mm. like, but it's like an organized collection of a certain being yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. or, or or past being. But do you think there's anything to, you know, cremation and all that, uh, the, you know, smoke and all these things that come from cremated bodies? I think the smoke all is very well managed. Right? It's not out in the open. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's all contained. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I remember the first cremation I went to at Manda, it's, it's weird, la, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you see this glass thing and then you see the cas- casket go into the incinerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but at the same time, like, I think there's going to be more and more innovations around death yeah. and paying respects to your loved ones and all. Yeah. Uh, and a place like Singapore feels like the perfect place for that to to mm. blossom. Uh, yeah, and I, I think, uh, like what you said, learning to live around death, la, mm. if anything. Uh, we also need to learn to live around uh, old people, uh, you know, like whether it's old folks' homes and things like that. Yeah. Also, right? They're going yeah. to be more and more. And I think the younger generation is getting a bit more accepting, right? That the last years of their life or what might not be, you know, in happy retirement on it, but, you know, spent, uh, yeah, more cooped up in a retirement home and all. Because that's the reality of... Wait, the younger generation are getting more accepting of? Of, of situations like that. Of their parents? Or for themselves, for themselves. You mean years into the future? Years in the future. Because, I mean, none none of the young kids today grow up with, like, big families, like how we did, like, right? You know, where there's some expectation of, like, being able to spend your, you know, retirement years with close to your family. You mean big friends. families, like, you mean siblings or? Yeah, yeah siblings, and, siblings and, and everything, like, yeah. Is it not our generation, our parents' generation? Yeah, yeah like? our older generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This also, expect- how many siblings you got, Terrence? No, 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 no but there's, there was this expectation that, you know, all oh, big family and, when you retire, then you'll be, you can go and meet your friends or you know, hang out yeah, with your yeah. uncles, aunties, all that. I think less and less so, lah, right? There, there's a, this understanding that you sort of just got to look out for yourself and uh, if you you can afford it, you know, to pay for your own place in the retirement home and just, yeah, live out your days and all. Because, I mean, the cost of living is so good, yeah, so getting living, higher, right? Exactly. So, for people to get a space that is big enough to have their family and their parents, mm. yeah, it's getting harder. Lah. So, yeah. you're saying that the future is like, you're going to graduate from like, once your parent, your kids leave, you get old yeah. and then you move on to like the old people dorms. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like the zoo cup. Like yeah, the hostel for old yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. The club key for old people. You know? Actually, that would be pretty fun, man. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things that it must be either everyone or like, it, it's fun if it's everyone, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because now, uh, old folks home, I think the, 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 the thing is changing also as this new niche of like old folk home, like luxury old folks home. Yeah. I don't know. I think in Singapore there's a one or two. Mm, mm. Uh, I know way back was it a politician or something said about old folks uh, getting old in JB or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Corbun one was. Oh, Corbun one mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, it's just every on every aspect, like architecture, the surroundings, the people. Singapore's just getting older, mm, mm, right? So these sort of columbariums, I don't know, man. Like you read the thing kind of thing where you're like, oh my god, it's not fair to the residents here. I think most people in, in Singapore, wherever you're living, there'll be something that comes up that might not be ideal. Yeah. So just everybody has to deal with it. Lah. Yeah. Yeah. My, maybe my, maybe my. it's about the, like, 
just the the stigma attached to columbarium. Columbarium. Uh, maybe the experience. Uh, as much as they are, yes, they are very peaceful and all that. Now, maybe just the it's just generally seen as a negative experience, like, Right, mm. when people go there, and you know, usually it's uh, mourning the death of a you know loved one and everything. Maybe there can be more to be done to reform that columbarium experience, uh. That's no, I'm not saying like not saying like a mall it, is it? There I'm is. not saying a mall, but you know, like like what you said, the changing the people's relationship with yeah. death, right? Maybe some kind of museum or something that uh, allows you to appreciate like you know burial rites in Singapore or something. Something that you know, like how a natural history museum is one mm. of the hidden. I think you and I we we talked about it being one of the hidden gems in Singapore, mm-hmm. right? Understanding the natural history in Singapore and, and the fact that we're not just this fishing village that turned into a metropolis overnight. Like, there were a lot of uh, animals and, and wildlife and fauna that that came that have lived in Singapore and been there, like, right? Mm. And you go there, it's a bit morbid, macabre, you know, the whole thing of like, you know, what looking at stuffed animals and all that. But it's also really informs you of your place in society, right? Mm. So in some sense, maybe that's what they need to do with this modern columbarium. Like, mm. use it as a way to help uh, people change their relationship with, with the, you know, death and everything. Mm. Because in one sense, the downside to not having burials is yeah. that, you know, like, whenever you see or in, like, uh, movies and TVs, like, people, and in Singapore also, people revisit the tombs of their loved ones every yeah. year or something, yeah. right? I mean, there's something comforting there. Mm. But with less burials, like yeah. with cremation, there's none of that. Yeah. But if this this museum, I know certain churches, they have, I don't know what it's called, mm. but where your your parents or grandparents' ashes mm. can be kept. Yeah. So in this sort of museum, it'd be cool if there's like a modern way of preserving the memories of loved ones. Mm. Mm. Right. Mm. That could be quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's not that's not a shout out to, for folklore, right? It's not. It's, it's not, not a plug yeah, for yeah, folklore. We did not plan yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. But I, I think, yeah, as a way and means, almost like a small physical manifestation in some way for people to commemorate a life or what, right? Mm. I think that, that it's still important to have, law. Or like like a cool fountain or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, one yeah, of those yeah, where yeah. you can just stand there and look. Not to say that it should be like the jewel equivalent for mm, columbariums, mm, mm, mm. uh, but uh, just something like a. Like a feature there, like because now like, like the like the World War that memorial in oh, the middle memorial. of town, like yeah. the one that 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 just sticks up, uh, very tall. Yeah, the set. Uh, and yeah. then people, some people were arrested recently for, for skateboarding, skateboarding yeah. for wakeboarding in the water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I I never knew that, but I guess when that place is situated as a memorial site, it needs uh, there are laws protecting yeah the, its use or so like like you can't just go and and like skateboard there like, right you know mm-hmm. so maybe it needs something like that like, where yeah you can just it, it becomes a landmark in itself for people to want to go and visit you know mm-hmm. and not just a place like, oh I only go there if like there's a funeral or something like that like, you know yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's true because now if you're going to Mandai uh, Columbarium uh, it is really just like you're going there for a reason and yeah. it's never it's always sad yeah, 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 it's, it's always, always sad, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and not to say that you are trivializing death and all. In some way, you are making it, making it more normal, like, Because everybody's gonna die. Yeah, everybody's I mean, gonna die. Off the top of my head, I mean, we are doing uh, the whole pioneer, pioneer generation, uh, pioneer founders of Singapore, like yeah. uh, memorial site and all that, like, Right? Yeah. You know, maybe there there can be something like that for the you know the the all the the, the whole I wouldn't say pioneer like, but like the whole founding generations of Singaporeans, you know, who, you know, built Singapore in the 20th century and everything, right? Mm. And not about the, you know, Go King Sui or, you know, all this Lee Kuan Yew and all these things, but really like the people, the, you know, the blood and sweat and toil and tears and all that really mm. built the roads and everything, right? Even just as a, a commemoration thing uh, alongside this Columbarium. Oh, like. Imagine if, like, for every decade, right? Yeah. So, like ashes are taken from everyone who passed away then and yeah. it's made into the rebuilt this this Singapore kind of like dia, diorama or something like that yeah. you know made out of ashes mm. of that decade yeah. yeah and it just every after decade after decade we were like yeah the people who who built Singapore they literally now have built this yeah. this uh, this representation of Singapore yeah 
Yeah. It's a bit morbid, lah. But that's why I thought like the ash scattering garden was quite interesting, and that yeah. people were willing to do it. Because to me, I'm like, you're gonna go scatter ashes of your loved ones amongst ashes of other loved ones. Yeah, I didn't know how open people would be to it, but yeah. people are. And uh, yeah, there. I mean, I know just now you were saying uh, you were joking about building a mall there or something, like, right? Mm. But uh, maybe not so extreme, lah, right? But really, like trying to normalize it by putting putting. Uh, Putting institu- uh, putting what do you call it? Things that require, like uh, you know, something a very peaceful, serene mm. kind of uh setting, like, Right? Like I mean, co-working space, for example. You put a co-working space in the columbarium. You know, it'd be quiet, right? It'd be a very quiet place and everything. I thought Maybe you were gonna be, be like, okay, all the shops there have to do with memory oh, and no, 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 no. Fuck, I was co-working, co-working space. <laughs> in the area, but yeah, then then my point is like it normalizes uh. Everything a little bit, all right. Like, oh, mm. and I think there is something there because when when my dad passed away like ten years ago, I remember going to the columbarium mm. and collecting his ashes. It was I, it 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 was shocking in so many ways, mm-hmm. and I was not prepared for that. And no yeah. one ever prepares you like when you go and oh, collect yeah. ashes. It's not just ashes; mm-hmm. there's still bones, bones and everything. Yeah, uh, that you have to pick up, and mm. that I was like, oh my god, and it felt like, yeah, instead of just keeping this as something that no one talks about, imagine if the mall. Yes, you can have a co-working space or whatever. Mm. But you also have like like a museum or like talking about the funeral rites. Yeah, yeah. You know, what happens and like just ways of like memorying or like, not say souvenir shops, but like something that you can get to kind of just help you remember the your loved one who passed. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the no, I'm not saying it's the same thing, but like uh, in Nuremberg, for example, uh. where the trials of the you know the war crime trials of all the Nazis were held, mm. and Nuremberg was also like a, a parade ground for the Nazis during the war and all that because mm. it's seen as the traditional home ground of of you know German Germany like the birthplace of German culture. Mm. Uh, yeah, they built they there were a lot of Nazi monuments built there during the war that they have now converted into a museum mm. that uh, it's not about celebrating uh, you know what Germany was during the war, but it was is about remembering the horrors that took place, you know, during that period. And they, they kept all the structures there. I think there was a lot of debate about whether these structures should be blown up or, you know, should just build over it. But they wanted to keep them there as a as a memorial, right? As, mm. a, as a way to to make sure the future generations never forget that this this happened, you know. Mm. And you can go there and get informed and it becomes a tourist destination that people also go to visit mm. and all that. Uh, yeah, so, you know, like what you're saying, a museum of death, for example, yeah, museum like, of death. It's, it's very interesting concept. And it's not meant to be creepy. La, it's not right? meant to be creepy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, meant, it's meant about creepy. understanding how death is perceived in all the different cultures in Singapore, Yeah, which is very a uh, very unique thing. Like, I think like Muslims, they bury, bury the mm. dead, right? You know, like, uh, and then Hindus, for Hindus, they, they cremate. cremate. Uh, now Chinese, uh, mostly cremation also. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just interesting to, to understand why there are all these differences, la, right? Or even around the world, because there's that one uh, uh, be, uh, faith in India I can't remember which one but there's the Tower of Death la, mm-hmm. where you put the dead body on top of a tower yeah. where I don't know where the Tower of Death but you put it on top of, ta- of a tower so the, the the body gets eaten by vultures and returned yeah. to nature la, yeah, 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 and then yeah. the bones fall through the gates then you hear that you're like oh my god yeah. uh, that is a different way of death la. and then you yeah. also get some people who say when they die you know their funeral they want it to be like a carnival to celebrate mm-hmm. their life as opposed mm-hmm. to being sad yeah. So yeah, interesting lah. Mm, interesting. Mm. A lot of opportunities. A lot of opportunities. Yep. Yeah. But yes. Cool uh, man. You know, at least it ended on a slightly brighter note. But what is your one shot comment to end? My one shot comment was yeah. something posted on our subreddit mm. uh by entire reflection nine five four mm. uh three days ago. So basically the the post was titled Need Help Finding Episode on Specific Topic. Mm. So basically, the comment was, Hi guys, congrats on having 472 episodes. Just started listening some months back. Been enjoying the company of the two musketeers. Mm. But sometimes the topic of getting screwed over while starting a company pops up during conversation. Something along the lines of you embarking on some business idea but didn't work out in the end. May I know if there have been podcasts talking about that? There are so many episodes I need help finding the right one to start listening to. Thanks in advance. And of course, a long-time Redditor Jungle Jimbo was immediately there giving some episodes. Yeah, but I just thought it was interesting that, I mean, now that we have 470 plus episodes, uh, 
Yeah, like I never thought about like the certain themes of episodes that have that we have spoken about. Because for this person, you know, looking uh for business like podcasts where we talk about our business and the way we got screwed over by 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 the streaming platform and all that. Yeah, it's just interesting, like, And I don't know how many listeners out there like are looking for certain topics or have thought about oh there there are certain themes that we talk about, like. And even mm. just as we think about content going forward, right? Of course, the yellow butt, we're always going to keep doing it, but just just was an interesting thought. La. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whether we can expand in certain areas and, and do something more targeted. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe maybe there needs to be some kind of exercise to start, to at least like catalog or put tags mm. on things tags. that I discuss. <laughs> yeah. Tags on our episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, no, no, I'm not saying it has to be on Reddit or what, la, right? Mm. But because at the end of the day, I think search on podcasts is still, still, I've been talking about this for years and it's still bad. Like, it's yeah. still the same, you know. All this AI crap and all that doesn't, hasn't helped things at all. Like, right? Yeah. And I know some people in the past have told us, you guys should have a website. And we have spoken to one website developer who reached out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, maybe it's just something for us to think forward, think going forward, how to catalog our repository of content like, yeah. and how to make yeah. it more accessible. So, Yep. Thanks for that, man. Yeah. What about you? Um, I want you to comment is a uh, kind of a request from Internet Lurker ninety six, titled uh, on on Reddit lah, right? Mm. Titled News Negativity and Mental Health. Uh, I mean long post, but the the basic thing is that uh, there's a lot of negative news out there. Yeah. And by nature of the Alabat podcast, we cover a lot of current affairs, so we read a lot of this negative news. And um, you know, Internet Lurker ninety six one asked uh the fellow Yellowbat listeners like. How do they cope with so much negative news on a daily basis and not let it get to their head and affect their mental health? And also to us, it's like, um, has doing research on the current affairs topics for Yalabad made you more cynical of the world and how has it impacted your mental health? Mm. So I thought it was an interesting uh, discussion point that, you know, we can at least talk a little bit about. Lah. Like for you, uh, how does dealing with all this negative news, how does it affect your mental health? Um, I would say actually... By doing this podcast mm. and having to research mm. and look for alternate perspectives mm. and generally having an idea of like the main headlines uh, locally and internationally just because we have to do a lot of research all the time, mm. I actually feel there is... I'm, I don't think I've become more cynical. In mm. fact, mm. I think it's, it's, it's been more eye-opening to know that yeah, there's a lot of shit going on around the world there's also a lot of things that are happening now. There's a lot of progress in many ways. There's a lot of great things happening. And yeah, it feels like I often have this thought where, um, you know, like when you're growing up, you feel like the world out there is already fully formed. Mm. That, you know, you're going to enter this this giant machine that has been working for years and works smoothly and operationally. But then the older you get, you the more you realize that just as like how you're figuring things out, the people around you are figuring things out. We as a society are figuring things out. Everyone's just winging it, man. Everyone's, Everyone's just, winging, just it. winging it. Yeah. yeah. So, so actually doing this podcast, researching, reading about the most horrible shit out there, but trying for being forced to look at the other side of things has actually made me in some way more optimistic to a certain mm, extent. Mm, mm, yeah. So that that that's for me, mm. For you, uh, it's yeah, it is a cathartic process to read up about things, mm. force yourself to, to to think of the opposite or at least find a different source that says something different about it. Then sort of process it yourself and talk through it. And then even if, if at the end the answer is, I don't know, mm. or I don't know any better than what I'm reading, like, right? Mm. At least you, you've, you've sort of uh, sparred with it. Like. Mm. And I feel that actually there, there's a bit of closure on each of these topics that we talk about. That's why we don't, I, I think generally we don't do a lot of like follow-up, follow-up kind of things, right? When we talk about one topic and then after that, a new piece of news comes out. Unless it's like a real big development in it, then we'll do a follow-up, right? Mm. But for the most part, we kind of, we do our research, read up what we can in the space of time and then we sort of say our piece or at least discuss it, right? Mm. And after that, okay, you know, that's, I think we sort of squared it and, and that's what we understand about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it does help me like, yeah, I know the news is all like pretty doom and gloom these days, but it does help me to sort of contextualize and come to terms with yeah, like this is the world that we live in, mm. and um, 
in some ways helps you also appreciate the 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 things that you you take for granted sometimes, lah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And and I guess if people are feeling, I can totally understand if you are constantly reading, like say Reddit mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. Singapore Raw subreddit, mm-hmm. or you know Wake Up Singapore, or or any one given platform, even Straits Times or just yeah. DNA, yeah. then you are only getting one perspective. Right, yeah. And that's where it can be dangerous. Yeah. Uh, any platform you go to, even if it gives you good info, if you go down that path, right, even if it's too positive, if you read something that only covers the best news in the world, then it kind of like desensitizes you to good shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, having to do research for the podcast and look at, you know, Wake Up Singapore, Independent, uh, CNA, Straits Times and all that, it actually feels like, oh, okay, there's, you, then you're not sucked into any one spiral. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think that is one way to combat it. Because yeah. otherwise, it's damn easy to get cynical. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. damn easy to get cynical. Very, yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. I think that's the general, our general approach to it. Like. And okay, that's how we sustained it for like almost 500 episodes. Like, right? Almost 500 episodes. Uh. Close. Yeah, Almost close. 500 episodes. Yeah. Maybe we should do something next year for the 500th episode. Uh. Definitely. Definitely, How about man. a tour? A tour. Podcast tour. <laughs> yeah, a podcast tour. <laughs> yeah, you see all those comedians, singers, you know, I'm going to launch my Eras tour, tour yeah. Europe you now. Yeah, Singapore yeah. tour. <laughs> from Pongol to Yishun to Jurong East to Marina Bay to Tampines. Maybe like during the Taylor Swift and Coldplay concerts, oh, yeah. we parked outside lah, <laughs> record podcast outside. You know, like, oh, that'll be watching. great, man. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. All right, cool. And what about your one show thing, man? Uh, my one show thing mm. is uh, oh yeah, every Christmas I think during the Christmas period. Uh, so I'm I'm just scouring YouTube for like random things. I like I love one thing I love to do during Christmas is like uh look at live streams uh, of like you know places around the world how they're celebrating and all that like uh, uh, in Finland the Santa Claus village and then like you know other parts of the US or whatever like, you know so so it's, it's, it's just something I do every Christmas and somehow the algorithm hurt me mm. and it fed me something that uh, instantly I knew I would enjoy, enjoy like over watching on Christmas Eve going to Christmas and that's the pig racing championship oh. apparently there's been like there's a YouTube channel called League of Pigs and what they do is they create these racing circuits around their farm or something like that. And then they get their their pigs to race from one end of the circuit to the other la, on a regular basis. Mm. So imagine they just coop them up in a box and then they open the box and the oh, pigs yeah. all race out and they go around corners and everything. And then there's a camera at every corner and then a camera filming them as they run. Oh, so like, like F1 like, F1, like that. Yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> but pigs racing to the final pot of gold at the end of the race, which is usually one big vat of like, like food lah. So so you watched it like a live stream of that? No, no, no. I just it, oh. it just came up when I was looking for all these things. Like somehow YouTube thought, oh, you'd be interested in pig racing. And I I just started watching. It's then funny because like the commentator takes it very seriously and like he comments like it's almost like a real F one race like that. Like, oh rounding this corner and then Ginger takes the takes the lead by doing this. And it's then funny because sometimes the pigs like they you know they put these fences for the the race barrier as race barriers right yeah but the pigs can smell that the food is like around the corner it's like they don't have to go one big round to get to the food then they'll just stop racing halfway they just jump over the fence and all that so oh. it's damn funny and very cute and and yeah it's just one of those things that puts a, put a smile on my face on Christmas and you Eve. never saw it before you just I never heard of it before yeah yeah and you know, I just thought it was brilliant but it's not a Christmas thing la, right it's not it's not but it's just funny to sit around and, and just watch uh, yeah ah, pig wow. racing League of Pigs League of Pigs it's called League of Pigs <laughs> yeah nice um, cool okay my my one shock thing is uh, you know the the Tiny Desk uh, concert uh, yeah, la, yeah, right the, yeah. the Emmy award winning series by NPR sure. where they just bring in like singers to sing in their actual office yeah uh, recently, I haven't watched it for a long time. Yeah. But I saw this one singer pop up recently called Carolyn Polachek. Yeah. And, I mean, she sings, it's all acoustic, right? And her voice is like one of those, like, you know, Florence and the Machine or like Ellie Golding or like, like they have so much voice control, right? Yeah. It almost sounds a bit fake. Mm. But yeah, she has it and like you listen to it, you're like, wow, this is insane. Like, yeah. uh, it almost feels like, yeah, she has an inbuilt auto-tune. Mm. Uh, so it's quite mesmerizing, like. Wow. So it's like an eighteen minute video, uh three songs, three or four songs. Yeah. Uh yeah. So that, that popped up on my feed also. I saw some people rec- recommending it. Uh, oh, what's the name? Jasmine Soko. Uh, uh, like I think was saying well, this was on her playlist. Her, name is, her voice range is insane and the way she controls it. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, so very cool. Uh, very cool. Caroline Polacek. Cool, cool. So she had a tiny desk, tiny uh, desk. performance. Uh. Yeah, about two months ago. Got that it, I only it. just saw a few weeks ago. Got it. But yeah, it's super cool. Mm. Cool, man. Cool. All right. That's the that's the end of the podcast. Uh, we've got one more episode coming out before the yeah, end of the year. To wrap up the year. To wrap up the year. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for listening. And as always, if you enjoyed this, please yeah. share it with one other person that who may... Who may not have heard of us. Yeah. Uh, and remember to follow us on social media. Especially during your holiday dinners and all that, right? Yeah. yeah. This is this is great yeah. conversation starter. Whenever you there's a pause. Yellow, but, yeah. yeah, whenever there's a pause, uh yeah. you know, people are eating, everyone's figuring out what to say next. Just insert. Yeah, insert. Yeah. insert. yeah. Do you guys listen to Yellow Butt? Okay. Yeah. And if you want to work with us, just reach out at contact at ministryoffunny.com. Cool. Sweet. Thanks everybody.